Welcome to Commercial Kitchen Chronicles, the podcast dedicated to the commercial food equipment repair industry. My name is Pat Finley. I'm a lead master certified technician at General Parts Group and a certified special trainer. My goal is to shine a light on what I believe to be one of the most interesting and rewarding industries a field service technician can work in. I love the work I do, and I'm glad you're here listening to this podcast. In this episode, we have Chris Stevens from HVACR Videos. This episode is brought to you by Vega. As an industry leader, Vega is committed to providing continued support for trades education and is a proud sponsor of the Commercial Kitchen Chronicles podcast. What's up, everybody? Dusty and I are back today with a very special guest, Chris Stevens. A lot of you guys know who Chris is. He's a good friend of mine, and I'm super excited to finally get him on the show. So, What's going on, everybody? Hi, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Better than I deserve. Doing good. Yeah. I think, yeah. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's it's nice to not be the host for once. Yeah. <laughs> buttons and acknowledge everybody. <laughs> I mean, I can push buttons. It'll make sounds that'll probably irritate everybody, but that's about it. So. Yeah, I don't have anything set up on mine. My soundboard. I need to. I just actually hooked it back up a couple weeks ago because I took it somewhere when I went. When I went to train somewhere, I took it to record, and I didn't end up recording, and uh, I just never hooked it back up. And then I moved out to my wife's craft room where I'm at now, and then I was just using a USB mic, and I went ahead and hooked everything back up. I need to load up my intro music and stuff like that and make it a little easier on me. So I'll get around to it. I'll get it figured out one day. You know, ironically, like, I'm one of the worst people when it comes to technology, and and I've actually hit that point where I actually asked my daughter, my my 13-year-old daughter, like, hey, can you help me figure this out? And she, like, does things for me. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. I get why my dad always did that, too. But, like, I, I don't do very well with all the social media stuff. And, like, I just kind of wing it. And it kind of works. But, yeah. I'm the same way. When I won that award, dude, I was like, how did I get this? I was like, I, was like, I don't. Like super editing thing, I just kind of throw some stuff together. Well, I think you know it makes sense. Most time it doesn't make sense. I just put, I just put it out every single where. I put it out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and then like Gary McCready's app, and then uh, Trade Hounds. I mean, if there's an app out there, I just put it out there every single day. It's a pain in the butt, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is one of those things that you know I struggle with it too, with staying consistent, and then. Um, if you haven't already, you'll get there, you'll get burnout. Um, I've gone through burnout so many times where I just like lose my stuff. I see other creators go through burnout. Um, it gets exhausting at times, but I mean, you know, these are first world problems and it's good problems to have, but. You're doing enough work to get burnout on it. So that's good. Yeah. 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 It's, it's well with the consistency, it's the thing, you know, like for me, I, I actually have cut down. I used to do, I mean, when I first started my channel, I did three videos a week and, mm -hmm. and, you know, on average, uh, when I, when I upload a video, depending on the length, it's, it takes me about three times as long as the actual length of the video to oh, edit it and do that. So, you know, you work a full day and then you come home and you spend, you know, two, three hours editing, sometimes four hours it, every day, it seemed like, you know, and so I cut it down. Like I used to do three videos. Now I do two videos and, Really, I only obligate myself to one video and then I try to do one live stream and then the second video I just consider that a bonus if I actually get it done. So yeah, I don't do a whole ton of long format. I want to try getting into it. Um I've tried doing it and this computer really hates it when I try to like render it or produce it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm seriously having issues with the rendering stuff right now. Even on this monster PC that I have, like it's I want to pull my hair out. It's annoying. <laughs> I did it. I had like a 35 or 40 minute video and I had like transitions. I like, I spent like a day making this video and like slow mo and spit stuff up, all kinds of stuff. Right. And then it, it locked up when it was rendering. And then it like, I had to like this hard reset the computer and it didn't even save none of the stuff I did. And I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this. Screw it. <laughs> and I haven't done a long one since. Yeah. I, uh, I have a friend who I met online. It's funny. I've, I've actually met quite a few people through content creation and stuff. And, uh, I have a friend that 
I met online and um, we started talking and he helped me to build the computer that I have. And then, uh, you know, I picked out all the stuff and made the decisions on what I wanted. And then I realized that like I spent all this money on this computer and then I built it on the wrong computer platform uh, with processors and stuff because the particular processor that I have in this computer doesn't jive as well with my editing software. And so here I am you know, a ridiculous amount of money into this computer and it works, but it's just, there's flaws and it's, it's because of the processor that I have. And that's a bit frustrating. So. Yeah. Um, the guy was my marketing guy. We did have, he, he left yesterday actually, but, um, he was like, Matt, go get Matt, get Matt, get Matt. And I bought this expensive, super expensive PC laptop and it was supposed to do it. And it worked great for like, like the first month and after that just kind of died. So, um, I think I am going to save up and the sponsorship money. I'm just going to buy it. like a, there's this Mac cube thing. I guess it's supposed to be really good for editing. So I'm going to look into that and see what happens. Who knows? That's cool. <laughs> we won't talk about podcast <clears throat> the entire time. I promise guys. <laughs> so it's getting warm here. Uh, I know you were saying it's not warm there, but um, we're getting a little bit of refrigeration calls here. It's kind of glad to see it. It's coming back. Uh, so I'm not the main refrigeration guy uh, here for us. Unfortunately, we do this um, dedicated tech program, and this other guy kind of does it because I'm more involved in some of the more high-tech stuff. So I don't get a whole ton, but I fight for it every chance I get. So I'm excited for it to warm up here, and hopefully I get on some walk-ins and some other stuff and have some fun. Um, I've got some trainees that my, my son being one, he wants to do refrigeration eventually. I'm trying to focus the hot side with him right now and work him over once he has that pretty well dialed in. But I'm, I'm, I'm itching to do some walk-in work, that's for sure. Yeah, the the weather here has been kind of weird. We had the wettest rainy season we've had in seemed like I don't know forever. It seems I don't know. It's just ridiculous how much rain we got in like a four month period. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, that kind of slowed down our winter. It was just weird because we weren't getting a lot of no heat calls, even though it was raining. Like it doesn't get very cold here, so it just kind of deterred a lot of business and then made it difficult when we did get calls because it was raining. And then now we're having a super mild spring um, coming into summer. It's been like super mild. So I'm kind of hoping it warms up. You know, I, I, I kind of want to punch myself in the face for saying that, but I'm hoping it'll get a little bit busier, you know? So, so what do you see out there, Dusty? Um, about the same, you know, I mean, I, I've been pretty much staying in kitchens. Um, so that, that never really changes all year, but like on the HVAC refrigeration calls, um, I'm on call this week and it's, I mean, it's pretty mild, like uh, weather-wise down here. I think the hottest it got yesterday was like 83, but it's getting cool at night, and it's not – the humidity is not real high. So it's – I haven't really seen a whole lot of – now I say that in this weekend. That's all I'm going to freaking do is yeah. walk, walk in, work walk-in calls. But it's about the same. You know, it's been pretty mild here so far. Yeah, yeah, I'm fortunate that I'm not on call this weekend. So I've got another guy on call, so that'll be cool. I like your call schedule. You sent it to me, and I wanted to bring it up. Like how it's like, you do a day here or there, and then you'll do a weekend, a day here or there. So, like where I'm at, it's you start Monday and you go the following Monday, mm -hmm. and that's how it's always been. It's either it's always been a full week. It either started on Friday or started on Monday and went through. So I didn't know. I seen yours. And I was like, it's kind of weird, but I actually like it. Yeah. So I used to do the week long call schedule. Uh, that's all I remember. You know, coming up in the trade was you're on call for a week, but what we started to notice um, was, you know, employees getting burnt out and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you'd work, especially in the summertime when we'd have these crazy summers, you'd work all day long and then you'd get calls all night long and then you'd start over again the next day and the next day and the next day, and, you know, for seven days. And it's like, good gosh, you know. Um, so I asked around social media. This was before I think it was before YouTube or anything, but I had asked around social media and I don't remember who gave me the idea for this call structure. Uh, it wasn't my idea. I someone gave it to me. But basically, we only have four technicians, including myself. I'm a small company, so we only have four technicians. So um, what we do is a five week rotation. Uh, what I used to do was I used to take three calls and then have uh, two of my other techs take the other calls. Um, but what we do now is, is basically each technician gets one day during the week and then one person has Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then the next week, the schedule rotates. So if you had Monday the previous week, you now have Tuesday. Then you get to Wednesday, 
Thursday is reserved for the guy that was on call the last weekend. So the on-call guy, the weekend before, automatically gets Thursday. And then the call schedule just rotates. And, you know, yeah, it you don't necessarily get an entire week off of being on call, but you only take one day during the week. Um, so, okay. yeah, it, it works for us, and everybody seems to like it. So, yeah, see, no, I actually – good. Uh, I actually worked for a, re a residential company, like, years ago. And that's how our on-call structure was. And at first, when they explained it to me, I was like, man, that sucks. No matter what, I always have a day on call. But, uh, I mean, it, it just, you know, if you're on call Monday, like you just get through Monday, boom, you're done until, you know, the next week. Which, yep. you know, so it's cool. I mean, it's, I guess sometimes it's harder to plan, like if you're weaked out. But if you're going to, like, take a vacation or something, usually you schedule it off anyway. So it yeah. never really gets in the way. Um, yeah. And then, like, even the weekend – you just do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that's it. That's the only on call you did that week. So you're not super burned out or like worn out. I, I always wish I would do the weekend and then the week. We do the Monday and then we go all the way because by the time the weekend gets here, I'm burned out from the regular work week and yeah. the on call. Monday to Sunday and, is what? Yeah. 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 So I'm over it. You got to work a whole other week to get up. Yeah. Where exactly. I, yeah. It started Friday and you went to the next Friday. So it wasn't too bad. Your weekend was done. You know, you did your week, and then next Friday roll around, you're good. So, yeah, that, our, that's our, what I would prefer. Our service calls, like I was just talking to one of our technicians today. We were working together, and we were just talking about service calls and like how we're not slammed right now. Um, and you know what's interesting is, is like we only have one customer at the moment that does routine maintenance. Everybody else has stopped routine maintenance. It's and all I do is chain restaurants, but. This is just the trend right now. You know, the interesting thing with chain restaurants, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but when one restaurant does one thing, they all start copying them. It just works down the line. If they change vendors for the security system, then all of a sudden, everybody will be changing vendors. If they renegotiate their food deliveries, it's it just seems to go down the line. And then what happens is you have, you know, hierarchy of the restaurant chains that move on to a new restaurant chain and then they take everything from there. So it's so funny how I can go from national chain to national chain restaurant. And it's like, it's almost like you're working in the same places, you know, and mm -hmm. kind of, kind of crazy. So. What's up, Hughes, man. <laughs> what is up, Ryan? Ryan's a good guy. He just redid our intro for the overtime show. Did so. he? I, see, uh, Jennifer told me to reach out to him and have him do mine. I should have done it. I just haven't done it yet. I was waiting to see what some stuff went through and, I need to reach out to Ryan. Ryan's a good dude. Yeah, he did a good job. He it was funny because we had him on the show and and it made us laugh because um, you know, we gave him like an idea. Bill and I had been thinking up this idea uh, where we were gonna like have some sort of music and we you know we were gonna do some cool stuff and we gave Ryan the idea and then his first like iteration of our idea, he's like, Yeah, I didn't listen to anything you guys said and I just made my own thing. And he just made his own thing and we're like Actually, that's really cool. I think we're going to go with you. <laughs> so, but it was funny. He didn't listen to anything we said. So, and it okay. turned out perfect. So, that's great. He does really good work, man. He's uh, he, he's a good dude. I really like him. So, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so, what's everybody up to in the chat tonight? We've got a few guys in here. Friendly neighborhood maintenance guy, HVAC blogger. So, got some new faces in here. Chris is bringing people over, and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Lots of I see a lot of familiar faces in here as usual. So. The chat's always awesome. That's the cool thing about social media and, you know, creating content is ironically, I get to learn a lot from the, the, the people that watch because they're leaving me feedback. They're sending me emails. You know, I post something that I'm frustrated with or I'm having a hard time and, and you instantly get someone that messaged you and says, Hey, you know what? Here's the service manual for that. Or, you know, I, I found a better way to do it, you know, and, and it's cool that we can all come together and help each other. You know, um, I know that Pat, you know, I hear people telling me like, hey, you know, I had a problem. I called Pat, you know, some of my friends say that. And, you know, so it's cool how we can all do that for each other. And yep. I wish that this environment, this community that we have now was here when I was coming up in the trade because it wasn't. And it was fend for yourself and it was, you know, just figure it out the hard way. So. Dude, I think that all the time, like, what did guys do before social media? <laughs> like, you know we, I mean? we, our van had a dedicated shelf of manuals, like, yeah. like dedicated shelf, and it wasn't enough. Um, and then it was so frustrating because you take a manual out 
and you'd be working in the kitchen and someone would splash and it'd get water on your manual and you were pissed, you know? And you're like, dude, so your manuals that a lot of these manufacturers charged a lot of money for, they'd be grease splattered and, you know, whatever, pages get ripped. Like, I never understood that about ice machine manufacturers. All their manuals are made from paper. Like, and it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. As you're standing there and you set the manual on the ice machine and the water's splashing on it, you're like, can you guys, like, I don't mind paying for it. Like, make a manual that's waterproof, you know? Like, come on. Yeah, laminate them, you know, yeah. with, the, with the spiral in the middle. But, I mean, that's what we did. We had manuals, and, uh, you know, there was a lot of, for me, uh, I'd come up with creative ways to tell the customer that I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm going to do all this <laughs> research tonight and come back tomorrow. I would always be like, I'm going to, you know, I got it going and I'm just not super comfortable with the way that it's working. So I'm going to follow up with the manufacturer and I'm going to come back tomorrow and just, just double check everything, make sure it's good. You know, that was code for, I pushed a couple buttons. It's, it's cooling and, uh, I'm going to call and I'm going to figure it out. And I guarantee when I come back tomorrow, I'm going to know how to fix it. You know, and that's, mm -hmm. that's what I did. It was a lot of that. You were always happy when you got someone else's manual, like where they left or they quit or it's like you got brought into the shop and you open up and there's notes in there. Like, yeah. This guy's already done all the hard stuff and left all the notes for me. I was like, this is great when you got someone else's book. So what about like, uh, you ever clean out someone else's van? So when I, I would clean out someone else's van when I was coming up, it'd be cool because you'd find tools that they forgot or like cool things, parts that you wish you had on your truck. But like, obviously, and the funny thing is, is like, I'd find these parts and I'm like, oh, that's really cool, you know? And it's like, I've always wanted to buy one of those for my truck, but the office would never let me, you know? And it's like, well, no, duh, because it just sits just like it did on the other guy's van. But now I have it on mine and it just sits, you know? But it's like, I've always <laughs> wanted to have one of these in my van, you know, like, and then just never use it. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I get that. I watch your videos. I'm like, oh, I want this, you know, TXV kit. I'm like, how many times do I change the TXV? Do I really need this kit bounce around on my truck? Yeah, but when you have that, oh yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's Friday night, and you're like, what am I gonna do? You know? And then you you're like, oh, I got this, no problem. You know? No, that TXV kit. I mean, you know, before I even had anything to do with spoiling with my channel. I grew up having that kit. I have so many iterations of that kit. The old school boxes, they had the non-balance port kit. They were talking about the Spoiling BQ kit now, but they had a not, they used to call it the Spoiling Q valve is what they used to call it. And uh, dating myself right now. But um, yeah, I had those my entire career. And it's like, those things were such lifesavers when you needed parts, you always had them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, so we do so much warranty work. Everything has to be pretty much OEM. Yeah. You know who owns the company I work for, so I mean that explains why everything you know pretty much is OEM now. Walk-ins we can kind of get away from that, but like the reaching coolers and stuff, everything we put back in is OEM. You know the the OEM stuff though. Uh, honestly, there was a trend that came about probably 15 years ago when one of my big customers uh, demanded that all the parts be OEM, and at first we were like, "Oh man, you know how expensive that's going to be." But I don't know why I even said that because. Honestly, as a business, if a customer demands OEM parts, it's the potential for me to make more money, right? Because I mark my parts up. So it doesn't matter what I pay for them. I just mark them up. But so there's that. But then the, the, the better byproduct of all of that is that OEM takes the guesswork. It takes the guesswork out. And if the OEM part has a defect, it's not your fault. Like, so, you know, that you have a failed motor, you go get another motor that's OEM, you put it in because the customer, the customer demands OEM, you put it in and it fails again. Instead of them saying, well, now you got a warranty. I don't, I don't do nothing. I, it's the OEM part, you know, manufacturer's got a problem there, you know? So then they say, well, can you come up with something different? And then I put in the work and I, you know, if I need to, I come up with a better part. But as a business owner, the OEM stuff, it's, it's a no brainer because it takes the guesswork out of employees going and picking the wrong parts or trusting a supply house manager that maybe, or, or tech, you know, counter guy that maybe doesn't have as much experience and says, Oh yeah, that thing works great. You know? And it's like, no, that's not the right part for there. So I, I prefer OEM stuff. It's something that I like doing now. Yeah. 100%. The R290 stuff is stuff people always question, I think. And I mean, I just, 100%. I only do OEM. I don't want the liability. So, well, in the, the stuff with the R290, here's the way that I put it. Okay. A manufacturer makes a piece of, first off, let's preface this with the manufacturers don't want to use R290. Okay. It's not the manufacturers that came up with this stuff. The manufacturers were making plenty of money off of their designs that had been using for 30 years and using the refrigerants that work for 30 years. Okay. So, 
you know, whatever your opinion on the matter, you know, the Department of Energy and Air Resources and all this different, you know, government agencies, they deemed that these things are toxic, these refrigerants, and they are, you know, they're bad. But anyways, with the R290 stuff, here's the way that I look at it. A manufacturer makes an R290 cooler. And, you know, in all of our minds, when R290 first came out, we were afraid. We were like, oh my gosh, it's going to blow up. Oh my gosh, all this stuff, right? So once you start working on it, you realize that like there's danger, but it's not that big of a deal, right? But if you think about it logically, if there is a fire with that refrigerator, okay, the manufacturer has insurance, right? Just like we have workers comp and we have liability insurance. When, when something bad happens, the insurance companies take over, okay? The manufacturer, they really have no say. I have no say if my insurance company takes over. They're going to figure out how not to pay that bill. Mm -hmm. So they're going to look and the lawyers are going to get involved and they're going to say, look at the refrigerator. And if they can find that there's aftermarket parts on there, it's an easy cop out to say, we have nothing to do with this. Someone used aftermarket parts. We can see one, the rest of it's melted. But if the odds are that they use multiples on there, maybe it's the contractor's fault. Don't use aftermarket parts on R290 equipment, period. I'm talking not even a cord from Home Depot. Don't. It's, it's, it's easier. Just call and get the OEM parts. And then guess what? With OEM parts, like you can't stock everything on your truck. You have some of it, but you can't. So guess what? It makes it even easier. I got to order the parts. We'll be back. See ya. You know, refrigerators <laughs> down until you order the parts and you come back and you start it up. It's a new yeah. age of equipment. And, you know, I just, just go with the OEM. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone's like, oh, they don't build like they used to. I'm like, well, they can't build the coils like they used to because the copper has to be so thin because it has to transfer so much heat. If the copper was thick like it used to be, it wouldn't transfer the heat like it used to. I'm like, you try explaining stuff to people, and they, just, they don't want to hear it. They don't care. They just, it's not like it used to be. That's their excuse for everything. I'm like, well, I mean, until you actually do a little work and figure out why it's not like it used to be, you really can't use that excuse. <laughs> yeah, quality in general is – is it, it does struggle with, with some manufacturers, but – basic thing is it's kind of like the amazon effect because a lot of people understand the amazon effect you know amazon came in they changed the market and then they raised their prices really high but they were the cheapest for the longest and they put a lot of people out of business they were the cheapest then they built their structure up and now they're not the cheapest but yet we still go to them because it's convenient mm -hmm. similar to that you had a lot of manufacturers coming in in the mid to early 90s and you had some mainstream American-made refrigeration products, right? And companies and manufacturers, and they, you know, got a little cocky and a little confident in their product and raised their prices to a level that they knew they could. And then you had other people come in and basically made it cheaper. And then that dumbed down the industry when they started making them cheaper because people started going with them, right? And then those really expensive manufacturers, they wanted to still compete in that market, so they lowered their quality down too. So even some of those amazing american-made manufacturers that have the best refrigeration equipment for 20 to 30 years now even their products are kind of frustrating you know because but it's i can't really blame them because they're as a business trying to survive it's just they're trying to compete with the competition who keeps coming in with cheaper 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 and so the rest of the market has to try to keep up with that you know you can only stay so long being the most expensive because eventually you're going to lose that market share of you know I am in, you know, 5,000 restaurants across the United States. Well, now you're in 2,500 and now you're in 2,000, you know, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. Yeah, we, we do some work. I mean, we do a ton of warranty work and there's a company. I don't know the parent company, but it's the same equipment. I think I've counted like 23 different names and it's, it gets rebadged and like and everything goes back through the parent company and it comes to us and it's just, it's just absolute terrible stuff and it drives me up the wall. But it's like... <clears throat> I have exactly one, who you're talking about. I have one. Well, there's there's a few of those companies that yeah. are rebranded on a bunch of different things. And when I don't think you guys want, I'm not going to name companies, but yeah, you know, there's there's one out there though that just blew my mind because it's a refrigerator, it's a bar cooler in a restaurant, and uh, they have uh, we need door gaskets for it, right? And uh, they're obsolete. The refrigerator's two years old. They're obsolete. It's got glass doors. If any of you guys do refrigeration, it has glass doors. And the dart on the gasket, it is not customizable because the dart is all the way on the outside of the gasket and the gasket is only three eighths of an inch thick. <laughs> so in, in the past, if you had glass doors, every glass door was like made by the same company. Um, uh, but they're not anymore. There's there's a lot of glass door manufacturers and you cannot get this gasket. And I, I legit told the restaurant, I was like, don't know what to tell you. You can't, I, I can't, I don't have the means to make that gasket. It's not one that you can get from a 
you know, a catalog of a company that makes custom gaskets, like, and it just blows my mind. Like, and this is what, this is one of those cheap, 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 cheap companies, you know? And it's just like, wow, that's what you get when you buy the cheapest refrigerator out there. They just make the gasket, the door gasket obsolete after two years. And it was custom for that refrigerator, you know? And it's like, wow, that poor customer has to go buy a ridiculously expensive refrigerator because of a door gasket. That's ridiculous. That's a, yeah, yeah I, I think I know who the same company is you're talking about because my buddy owns a bar and uh, the cooler was set up to when it wasn't called cooling, it shut the evaporator fans off. And he had like his bars and open concept, so he's got garage doors and stuff, and it's always so hot in there and it just takes forever for it to catch back up. And I had to go in the controller. Generally, it's a you know, a controller everyone uses, so I had the password and get in there and find it and just enable the evaporator fans all the time and took care of the problem. But and he fought that thing forever. I told him, I was like, man, this is what it is. It's like, and once I, you know, enabled it to, you know, evaporate all the time, didn't have any problems at all. Yeah. Yeah. Energy standard stuff. So, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, a lot, again, like we said with the refrigerants, a lot of these new energy standards too, they have nothing to do with the refrigeration manufacturers. They're just along for the ride. They're just doing what they're told. You know, they're constant. I mean, and let's think about this too, when it comes to refrigerants, right? We're putting, uh, you know, R290 in our refrigerators now, I, I guarantee within the next five to 10 years, they're going to ban R290 and they're going to come out with something different. You know, like it's just, and, and, and again, I'm not fighting against the idea of eliminating potential pollutants and different things like that. I'm just talking more about the inconvenience of, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, they're going through all these different changes, but these manufacturers are, are just, again, along for the ride, trying to keep in business, just like us. They just have a little bit bigger budgets than I do, you know? So yeah. What's the, uh, what's the other refrigerant? It's, it's propane based, but it's, uh, like R6. Yeah. So there's isobutane R600. Um, okay. That's right. Yeah. So the two, uh, a four refrigerants, hydrocarbons are R290 propane. And I think it's R600 isobutane. Those are the two. Okay. So you'll see the R600 and all the domestic refrigerators and homes and everything everywhere. And you, you see isobutane in some really, really cheap um, commercial refrigerators, but it's not a, not as prevalent as R290. So Yeah, and I saw it in a, in a wine cooler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a French-made wine cooler. Yep. I can't remember the company, but when I actually looked up, I was looking for part information. When I looked up the actual model of the, the, the cooler, it was a very cheap model so <laughs> yeah was it I, I just had a i was working on a beer chiller system a glycol unit i call them uh mm. for a beer system on a um a uh beer walking at a restaurant and uh it had a tecumseh compressor in it and i needed starting components on it that tecumseh compressor is from europe okay it's not an american one you cannot get the starting components here like starting components and i'm like i need the oem starting components they're like that compressor doesn't exist i i was like emailing it was ridiculous trying to find these starting components and it was brand new and it was just because it was a european model that and i'm big that's one of the big things that even before the restaurant started demanding oem parts was when it came to starting components i like using oem because the manufacturer designed them for that refrigerator for that compressor um, and it has all the OEM uh, covers on them and different things. So they, so you're not accidentally reaching your arm in there and hitting the start cap with your hand. And so like, I've always been big on OEM when it comes to starting. I'll use a, I'll use a three way to test. Like when I, I use them to test. Way. I use yeah. them to test. Yeah. But um, I don't, and I've done that so many times to test and be like, Oh, you got to work it. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. Usually so. my my method is, is I'll take a, a you know, a, a universal three in one start kit or whatever, throw it on there watch it come down to temp if it comes down to temp and then the compressor restarts then i take it off unplug it go get what i need or sometimes i'll leave it on for the night and go back mm -hmm. and get what i want but i'm not a fan of the universal three-in-ones because they violate or they they destroy the ul listing of the compressor when you use a yeah. three-in-one because the uh overload protector is now moved that the overload protector has two methods right it's a clicks on relay it has two methods of going off. It can sense current and it can sense temperature. The bimetal disc is mounted up against the compressor. If the compressor gets too hot, it warps the disc or it can warp on high amps. That overload on the three-in-ones is now moved into the top of the three-in-one. So it loses its potential to sense thermal heat to trip it on overload. So it now no longer has thermal protection. 
And that's something I don't like about using those. So I'll use them to start and to test. Um, but it's funny because when I was coming up in the industry, we didn't have those three in ones. And I had a hermetic compressor analyzer kit. It was the size of a suitcase mm-hmm. and you carry it up there onto the roof, hook up the connections in the, they had alligator clamps, but the alligator clamps, I don't know where it is. I used to have it in my office. Yeah, I, used to have one in here, I, remember. I used to have it somewhere. I have a, an Annie up there, which is a, uh, antiquated one. Yeah, I had one. Well, I got one as a festival when I teach and I actually have a, I actually have a compressor with the top cut off and I run it off of Annie. Yeah. Yeah. This is the Annie. This is an old school one. I never used this one. Mine was a thermal engineering one or some, a big giant one, but one of my technicians got me this. Uh, and then it's really cool too. Some other people have sent me some really cool older tools and I bought some too. And I, I like collecting them now. Yeah. The Annie's cool. I, I literally have a compressor with the top cut off. And I hook up the Annie to it, and I run the compressor. And I show them running both directions. You know, I'll run it backwards, forwards. I don't run a long time because it's, you know, it's got it's open and everything. But it's kind of cool to show the guys that, you know, the compressor opened up and it's actually running. So I've, uh, on my list of things to do, and, you know, I'll share one of my, my secret plans that I've been planning on doing. And one of these days I'll get to it. I have quite a few smaller VFDs in here. Mm-hmm. So, and they're still working, just, you know, taken out for whatever reason, something was changed. I'll pull the VFDs and save them. And one of these days I'm going to either go buy a brand new, really small three phase Copeland compressor and very carefully, uh, again, without ever hurting anybody. I don't encourage anybody to do this, but I would like to be able to cut that apart and run it off of a VFD and, uh, convert the VFD to, uh, convert phases from single phase to three phase and then be able to run those things and show people how the compressors work and um got to figure out how to do that safely though without anybody getting hurt i don't want to encourage anybody to do that and then get electrocuted or something so <laughs> yeah, that's the bad thing for any and there's a lot of exposed stuff if you're not paying attention you can uh short some stuff out pretty fast yeah i had one in my truck for years and i didn't ever know what it was and then like i said i started teaching professor and they had one i started playing with it and i was like well, this is actually pretty cool once I figured it out. Yeah. Uh, Brett, in the comment, Brett Wetzel made a point to say that you can't use any of that stuff on A2L refrigerants, and that's 100% true. While A2Ls are, there's a lot of A2Ls coming out, and the industry's really, really, like, there's a big push right now to, like, educate everybody on the A2Ls. And I do find it a little bit, I don't want to take this, don't, people don't take this the wrong way, but I do find it a little bit silly how hard they're pushing that these A2Ls, it's almost like they're scaring people more than anything. And I mean, and what I mean that is is coming from a guy that works on the the A3s, the, the flammable, the actual 100% propane refrigerators and stuff, you know, we've gotten used to it. So maybe it's almost I'm jaded, like I'm used to it, you know, but, um, but another cool thing to come from the A2L stuff is is even more you only go OEM. You don't put aftermarket on it because there is the slight potential. It's it's mild flammability. So I'm not sure what the max uh, horsepower rating is on it. Um, well, the way that the Annie's, uh, my thermal engineering one that I had from years ago, the way that it would rate it is it would tell you capacitor ratings. So basically, you looked at the existing start capacitor and you basically, if it was out of range of your Annie, then you didn't use it on that system. Um, so, you know, yeah, I guess you could theoretically figure out a way with horsepower, but it really depends on what the starting torque of the compressor is. And that's going to determine, you know, if your annual work it or not. Who had a, someone put a video out this week where they showed them like they had like, they hooked up a torch to some A3 refrigerant and showed it burning. And then they hooked it up to an A2 and was like trying to light it and it would not light. And they were like trying everything like, yeah, get it to physically light and like just, Everyone's freaking out about it. Like you said, I remember when R290 came out and everyone started freaking out. And I was like, it's not a big deal, people. Just do what well, you got. I mean, let's, let's, let's slow down, too, because the industry lost its mind when we came out with 410A on air conditioners. I mean, we were all – it was fear-mongering. We were all just slammed in our head that you couldn't um, – you uh, you couldn't mix oils. You you had to have a separate set of gauges to work with 410A. Like, don't ever put your 410 with your R22 gauges because you would destroy the system. And it's just like, and all this stuff. And it's like, none of that was true. It's like, I literally use one set of gauges for the last three years. Like, it, it's just clean your crap. Clean your hoses, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah. I finally uh, I finally got into 2019. I went out and finally bought ProTown and bought a 
some field piece ass mans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, digital gauges um, have changed the industry for the better because I, I realize there's still some people that don't understand the refrigeration side of things. And that's fine. You know, we're all learning. If there was a good part of my career where I didn't understand even the most basic stuff of refrigeration. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm the smartest person out here. I'm not. Okay. I, there's a lot of stuff that I'm probably not educated enough on. But when digital gauges came out, I was so intrigued by the other numbers on the the gauges. Like, what is this VSAT? What does that mean? What does LSAT mean? You know, and, and slowly it made it easier and easier for me to understand saturation temperatures, you know, and then, you know, I remember them from school, but they didn't make sense to me because unfortunately on the education side, nobody explains things. Everybody, well, let's step back. I shouldn't say nobody explains things. Everybody learns differently. Okay. So maybe, maybe half the class understood what the teacher said, but I'm the type of person that I don't understand something if I'm not interested in it, you know, yeah. it took me a long time. So when I started seeing the saturation temperatures on the gauges, on the digital gauges, then it made me start really thinking and I'm like, okay. And I started to notice trends. You work in it long enough and it's like, you know, you're working on an air conditioner you keep having these freeze up problems, you know, and then you look at your saturation temperatures and it's like, Oh, you know, and it, and I'm, I'm a slow learner. So at first it was like, Oh, it's a refrigeration issue. Oh, it's a refrigeration issue. But then you started learning. Okay. But what happens if your evaporative fan motor is not running or it's spinning too slow or your coils dirty and your saturation temperatures keep dropping and dropping and dropping. And so is your superheat, you know? So I started to notice trends and then, and then, it, you know, at that time, then there was some platforms that came out. Like there's one that's not really out there anymore, but it was called iManifold and that came out and it was like, that was revolutionary because it combined all that and then gave you all that information and really gave you a better understanding of how the refrigeration cycle works. So, you know, while it's frustrating, you know, there's still people out there that swear up and down that you don't need digital gauges. And I'll even argue that there's a time and place for digital gauges. When you are setting pressure controls, you need an analog compound gauge because digital gauges, the latency is too slow and it can't catch a pressure control opening on a low pressure side where an analog boom, you could see it the whole time, you know? And so th there's a time and place, but digital, I, I, there was a time when I used to tell people that I wanted everybody to learn on compound gauges and, and old school analogs. And I'm past that point now, because I, I, I think there's so much value that comes from digital that I'll preach digital all day long. I've had the chocolate probe for years, but, uh, I do that field piece ambassador thing where I teach for them and like, they want me to teach, uh, pulling a vacuum through a manifold. And I was like, I don't have your manifold guys. And like, um, so the first class I had used a set they had and the second class I was like, I need one anyway. So I just went ahead and bought one. And, uh, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I rarely use a manifold job link probes, charging T oversized, you know, vacuum rated hoses. That's all I do. The only time I use a manifold is when I'm, you know, pulling refrigerant out. That's the only time I use them. Um, I still use them, uh, again, to each their own. You know, there's a lot of contention out on the internet. You know, like it's so funny because the pendulum's swinging the other way. For the longest time, there were so many people screaming, you know, and being jerks on the internet that would say, stop using digital. There's no point. You're wasting your time. You don't need to waste your time. Just focus on, you know, your analog. And then now you've got people that are getting mad because you're still using a manifold gauge set, even though it's digital. And they're like, that's dumb. You should only use probes. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, seriously, to each their own for real. Okay. And I mean, whatever's comfortable for you. But for me, I still like having a manifold. I use probes when I'm troubleshooting air conditioning equipment or sometimes on ice machine equipment. But if I'm working on a refrigeration system, I'm pulling out a digital manifold with hoses and I'm typically using that. And that's just what makes, you know, works for me. Yeah. Again, what everybody else wants to do, it's all good, you know? No, yeah, we all have our own ways. So Brett brought up a good point. He says use a nitrogen regulator and set your um, – your pressure control before you take it up on the roof instead of the machine and that's the thing i do i have a nitrogen tank on my truck i don't want to take it up on i don't want to fight you know setting that pressure in and out i cut out on the roof i can set it in the truck in a matter of 10 minutes take it on the roof and hook it up and to go so that's a great point you know sometimes that works again it's just one of those things i i personally don't really care for using a a, a nitrogen tank to pressurize and test my pressure controls i understand the significance i understand the convenience I'm just stubborn and you know, it's kind of a pain in the butt for me to get in there with wrenches and tighten everything on. Cause you got to have a, a tight connection, you know, and, and again, 
I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that like my stubborn brain, it takes me a while to get to, to, to do things, you know? So it makes sense. I didn't think about that. Cause then you're forming that, you know, that you're forming that flair to whatever you hook it up to versus what it's to. But I don't think there's anything like, I don't think it's going to be bad by doing that. It's, it's one time. Like you're going to, I'm not so much worried about the flare as I'm just lazy. And I, my tools are up on the roof cause I just diagnosed that pressure control. And so now I went downstairs to get the pressure control and then training my brain to remember or to be smart enough to say, Hey, you have some spare crescent wrenches right here, but then you got to get a service tee. You got to kind of, you know, like, yeah, it makes, really, yeah it makes sense. Like right. he's reaches out and we all got our own little yeah things we do. So, yep. So you guys don't do any hot side at all. You just do refrigeration and HVAC, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I just never gotten into the hot side stuff. Um, you know, it's it's funny how different parts of the country uh, I have the ability to talk to different people. And, uh, you know, I know refrigeration companies in Texas that only do refrigeration and they don't do air conditioning. See, in Texas, it's OK in the restaurant side for you to have an air conditioning company and a refrigeration company and then sometimes a hot side company. Mm-hmm. You can go to other states and that's OK, too. Here in my area in Southern California, you typically have refrigeration only companies. Now, there is some companies that do it all. There is, but uh, not a lot. And, you know, so it's more popular for a company to specialize in refrigeration and air conditioning or hot side work. That's a pretty popular thing out here. So I wonder if something had changed because down here, that was kind of the the deal as well. Like you would have refrigeration companies and you would have HVAC companies. But now it's almost like the HVAC companies are doing refrigeration now and the refrigeration companies are doing HVAC now. So maybe it's like a, I guess, times have changed because I do remember when I first got in the trade, there were companies that wouldn't really work on HVAC, just, you know, refrigeration and then vice versa. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like, I mean, it's kind of makes sense. Like if you can, you know, hire a couple of guys for both side and kind of mess. Yeah. Well, nowadays, especially with the chain restaurants and the big corporate accounts, nationwide accounts and stuff like that, Um, they're all trying to downsize when it comes Mm -hmm. to these restaurant chains, right? And they're consolidating, they're downsizing, uh, they're eliminating facilities uh, issues with facilities management by implementing uh, CRMs and service software. So now, you know, I, I, I have to work within one, two, three, four, four different invoicing softwares because of the restaurants that I work at. They all want me to use their software. So I have my own software and then i have to work within all these other different ones too but that's simply for the restaurants to eliminate positions within the hierarchy of their company because now they can have there's there's one we're not going to name them but there's one company that literally just changed their whole structure of facilities management and now a facilities manager is no longer in charge of the entire restaurant they have like five or six facilities managers and each one has a specific appliance that they handle so you you can have all six different facilities managers handling the same restaurant now because one of them handles this and one of them handles that. So it's all about eliminating those pennies that they can save. Um, and they prefer a lot of them to have a one-stop shop when it comes to the contractors. You know, they don't want to have to call three different vendors. They want to call one. You get what you pay for sometimes with that stuff though, because you know, when you have a company that does it all, um, oftentimes they're pretty good at, most of the stuff but they're not an expert within everything that they work on you know and i'm not saying everyone but there's just you know that's that's a ten, a, a trend usually yeah it, it's yeah. hard to be good at refrigeration hvac and hot side they'll be really good at one or the other but they're not good at both if you find someone that's really good at both you better pay them the world and hope they stay yeah i have a a, a, a company near me that does general maintenance they're a, they're a contractor and all of a sudden now they do plumbing they do painting they do like and i kid you not i was in a restaurant one time right this one blows my mind i wish i would have videoed this i walked into one of my restaurants and the the maintenance company was there and they had a toilet in the dishwasher area like the full-on used toilet they brought it into the dishwasher area to like do something to the toilet like and i walk in and i look and I look at the manager and the manager's got this confused look on their face. And I'm like, you can't put a toilet in the kitchen. Like, that, I don't care if it's the dishwasher. You can't have a toilet. Like, you know, customers can see that. Like, 
this is what you get what you pay for with some of these companies you know and so um that company also you know uh for a while they were oh we got a rusty supply grill and instead for the air conditioning system and instead of calling me they'd let the maintenance company go out there so now i've got a restaurant and it just makes me laugh where every supply grill is a 10 inch supply grill but there's ducks on the inside of it that's an eight inch there's ducks on the outside that's a 14 inch and there's no transitions it's just sitting there and mm-hmm. And I just, I walk in, I go, man, it's pretty hot in this kitchen, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I need to change every one of those, you know? And they're like, why? And I'm like, because the company you had put them in, didn't put them in right, you know, and everything's messed up and it's, that's what you get, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like, and I see it, they, they, I think a lot of people use these third party people doing their, you know, their maintenance, you know, hiring out their maintenance. And those companies look at companies that can do it all as writing one check versus, you know, having to set up three different people to do the, you know, the pay and all that other stuff. And I don't know, it's, it's definitely a challenge though to get some people in there. And yeah. I guess like you say, like invoicing is probably easier. And also like it happens to me all the time. Like the way we set things up is we have a, a couple hot side guys and a couple, and the rest of them are like HVAC refrigeration guys. And we have some like specialty, like chiller guys and stuff. But uh, so each each of us have like a special thing that we do often, but you know, there's so many times I'll go to certain uh, restaurants and I'll be there to look at one thing, but then there's multiple things. So they can kind of consolidate it down to one trip and have four different calls on th- four different types of equipment, but yeah. it's just one guy there, which no. I, I hate when that happens, but. No, yeah, um, I think, I think Pat that. knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm not into that. <laughs> and, and customers will oftentimes try to do that too. And I always let my technicians, if it's at their discretion. If, mm-hmm. if, you know, we have a lot of calls going on, we'll just tell them like, hey, you can't dump three other calls on me when I'm at this location. Like, these are exactly. not emergencies, you know, um, and, you know, we'll have to come back for those. Well, but I didn't want to pay multiple trip charges. And it's like, I get it, but we have other places to be today. So, sorry. Yeah. So you got another call after this, you know, and that's usually what I say. If I am swamped that day, I'd say, Hey, you have to put it, you know, Oh, it has to be a totally different work order. Um, so you got to call it in separately. But what, what kills me is when you get it like on call and you're after hours. So regardless, so they'll, so they'll just call in then and you're like, Oh man, I better wait around until they get this yeah. call put in and go ahead and take care of it. But we have, we have a couple customers that are really big on doing that. So I usually expect when I show up to do one thing, it's always like four or five different things. <laughs> I find it funny though too because the a lot of these restaurants they want you to use their invoicing softwares and different things, right? So I actually kind of turn it on the restaurant. You know, most of you guys know this, but maybe there's some people that are watching. You know, when you work for these big corporate chains, we're technically working for the corporate office. We're not working for the restaurant. We're there as a courtesy and we're being kind to the restaurant, but like management for the most part doesn't have any say in what we're doing. It's oftentimes corporate and we know what we're allowed to do or we have to call for approvals. So when the manager there is like, you know, they want to save, you know, because some restaurant structures, they bonus off of the lack of of spending kind of a thing. Right. So the less money they spend, the more potential they have for a bonus. So they'll oftentimes try to save a couple bucks here and there. And they're like, oh, since you're here, can you look at this, too? And I always say, oh, you got to put in another work order. And he's like, well, I did. I put it on the work order I sent you that I wanted you to work on three things. And I go, nope, one work order per piece of equipment. Really? Mm -hmm. Man, it's such a pain in the butt to put that in. I didn't make the rules. You guys use this software. So I love turning it on them on that. And it's like, no, I need a different work order. But that's going to take me like three minutes per work order. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. I can't work on it until I get a work order, you know? And then now we even have facilities in some of these restaurant chains that won't release work orders. That's the new thing that's been happening Uh is they sit on them because facilities can see the budget and they're like, nope, their spending's too high. That's not a critical piece of equipment. So what'll happen is if you're there and you're like, oh, I'll just work on it. The office will take care of it on the back end. You don't get the work order for a month, you know, because they're trying to save money because fiscal's coming up. A lot of restaurants right now, they're going to stop spending because July 1st is going to be the start of fiscal. So they're going to be like, Hey, we're not spending for the rest of the month, you know, unless it's critical. So I don't do any more favors. It's, and, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but it's like, I got to get paid. You know, I'm not, I'm not holding off on this stuff. So we have, we have one customer that's a, um, like a corporate chain and they're, they're really good about putting in work orders for each piece of equipment but sometimes when you're there you'll get new managers who don't really know the process and they'll say oh yeah can you just go ahead and look at this 
Like I, I can, but I, I, we may not get paid for it. And that's what they don't understand. I'll look at it, but I, I'll need a work order to generate a PO if I order parts. Um, yeah. I'll have to be able to build my hours because if not, they'll see, you know, more hours build to this one job. And it's kind of unusual because, you know, and then on the invoice, you're writing two different pieces of equipment and then your facilities guy's going to see that big, wait, what the heck's going on? Why are there not multiple work orders? I can't approve it. I mean, it's happened before and it, it causes a headache and I don't think managers get that. They don't, they don't see that. They don't understand that. So you got to just play keep up. And there's a lot of times where I just say, put in a work order. And if it's not put in by the time I'm done with this first thing, yep. we'll come back out when it finally gets put through, you know? Yeah. It, it also on a business owner side too, the whole them using their invoices software, there's always a blessing in disguise with that stuff because what it actually eliminated was, I remember writing up invoices at the end of the day, I'd spend an entire day at a restaurant. And back in the day when I would hand write invoices, I'd write one invoice and you write everything you worked on on the invoice, you know? Well, mm -hmm. what happens if tomorrow, something that you fixed are the five refrigeration pieces of equipment that you fixed, <laughs> something stops working and they don't pay the entire invoice because they're like, well, that should be under warranty. I need to, you know, I'm not gonna pay you till, it's like, wait, but I worked on five other things, you know? So doing the one work order for one piece of equipment also makes that so much easier as a business owner, because then if someone's trying to be a jerk and not paying an invoice because they're disputing it or whatever, they're just disputing that one repair and not five things at the same time. It's so much yeah. easier that way. Yeah, we, uh, one piece of equipment per ticket. And then, like I said, if I got a customer where it's a PO system, I'm like, hey, you know, they, they want me to work on something like, do you have a PO? Well, no, I was like, well, just give me a PO and I'll work on it, but I, I can't do it without a PO. Yeah. And, and they'll run and get it because they don't want you to leave. Because, you know, if you leave, it's another trip charge, it's mileage, it's, you know, whatever we charge them to get there. So most of the time they'll jump, but occasionally you, they don't want to do it. Yeah. And if it's up to a lot of the managers, um, we do a chain. Uh, well, it's a chain, but it's, it's like franchise chains, fast food restaurant down here. And a lot of times you'll have managers. Um, you know, tell you to work on a piece of equipment, but it never gets submitted. And by the time it gets submitted, sometimes it's like six months later. You know, like you said, like I, it, there's, I think Pat knows the exact restaurant I'm talking about. So we've talked about it before. And if I just go ahead and work on it, we may never even see the work order for six yeah. months because that's just how it is. So I don't even, there's some places that I'll do that for because I know they're good for it. And we can generate our own work orders if they're not on a, like their own invoicing system. But a lot of times, man, you got to be by the book because if not, yeah. it'll burn you. There's another side, though, too. You know, let's look at the restaurant side. Let's look at the facilities manager side. With a lot of these invoicing programs, and, and I don't even know if you want to call them that, but you have these full facilities programs. You know, on the, the facilities manager side, they see things that we don't even see. So they can see total cost of ownership, you know. So they see a refrigerator. You know, this is a, a let's just say it's a six thousand dollar refrigerator. They see cost of ownership. They see that it's fully depreciated on their budgets. And oftentimes what I see now, the manager will put in the ticket and the facilities manager will just order a new refrigerator. They won't even dispatch me out there sometimes, you know. Yep. So that's where, again, we've run into this. Luckily, we have good relationships with our corporate customers, but we've run into it before where the customer says, dude, we really need this refrigerator. Can you fix it? And you're like, OK, cool, I fix it. And then facilities has already ordered a new one. And he's like, no, I'm not going to give you an invoice. And so luckily we've been able to work that out with them where they'll pay us. But again, don't do work without a work order because there's, there's a bigger picture here that we don't even understand, you know? Yeah, we right do lots of reports. So we put our stupid little barcode on there and we track it by a serial number of barcode and we can provide anything we worked on. We can tell our customer how much that we've actually done to it, worked to it. So that's why we're huge proponents for our guys to make sure they're capturing that information on the first time out there. Um, you know, I try to tell my guys, when you go out, the first thing I want you to do is find who called it in. If they're not there, find the highest manager. Have them take you that piece of equipment, describe what the problem is. And once they walk away, you need to take a picture of your data tag. You need to make sure everything is in the call to this equipment so that way it can be tracked, you know. Yeah. Um, we've got a bad habit right now of having other guys finish other guys' work. And then I'll go out there and there's no equipment assigned to the call. There's no picture of the data tag. I'm like, I can't verify if it's this one or another one because, you know, you're like me. We'll go into a restaurant and they'll have three or four of the same piece of equipment. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they'll have, you know, their entire kitchen will be one manufacturer and you get the part for, say, Delfield, but they have 17 Delfield coolers in there. Like, well, which one's this for? And they got three of them there down. You're like, uh, what do I do? Which one is it? It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I think it's so important for technicians out there to understand, too, that 
there is a bigger picture that oftentimes you may not understand on your business's side and the customer you're working for. And there's things that they do and there's reasons behind it. And bottom line, we work for the customer and, and it's what they want, you know? Um, and you work for a company and bottom line, the company's the final say in what you get to do with, you know, when you're on their clock kind of a thing. So, you know, you gotta follow those rules. You gotta follow that structure. Even though sometimes it seems like this is just dumb, you know, like this is ridiculous. I can think of a better way. That's great, but you know, you gotta you gotta go about that the right way. You can't just cowboy it and do your own thing, you know. Yeah, if you want to cowboy, do your own thing, start your own business, and and, would- and enjoy the 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 fun of running your own business because it's there's good and bad. So remember. <laughs> do you run your business? Do you own your company, Chris? Yeah. So my dad started my company when I was like four years old or something. Okay. Well, let's see. He started it in 1989. No, nine. I was six, six, six years old. Yeah, because I was That's born in '83. So, um, yeah, he started in '89. Uh, I worked with him my whole life as a kid, just sitting on his bucket. Ironically, I run into managers and kitchen staff that still remember me when I was sitting on his bucket, holding his mag light, getting yelled at. Um, <laughs> but I started go uh, because you know I'm a kid, and it's like first off, this three cell D mag light is heavy, right? Okay, I know some of you younger people, you don't know what a three cell D or a four cell D mag light is, right? But I'm trying to hold this, and then as a kid, you know, my dad's working, and I'm holding it while I'm sitting on his bucket, and he's in a refrigerator, and then you know, a cook makes a noise over here, and you look, and you, you know, as a kid, you don't you don't have that motor function to know to keep the flashlight there, so when you look, the flashlight goes with it, right? And, uh, you know, but uh, I came to work for him officially in 2001 when I was coming out of high school and uh, 2002. And um, we've partnered since then. Um, He's got three feet out the door. So, yeah, I I run the business now, but I'm second generation. So. (laughs) So Houston wants to know what kind of beer you're drinking there, Dusty. Carlsberg. (laughs) Danish. I didn't know it was a beer show. I'd have brought all kinds of different fun stuff. I'd have poured a whiskey. I'd have done all kinds of cool stuff. I was drinking sweet tea, but I don't know if you see my cup. Where you got? You got a tumbler with my face on it. There is that from is Jennifer. Really? That's amazing. Is that from Jennifer? Did she have that made? I had it made. You had it made. Oh, you got, a, you got the one and only. There's other one and only. There's other faces. One of one. There, so be ready. So I did. Well, this started it all. I had to have this one. Okay, got I it. Had this one. <laughs> idea came to mind, and so there's there's more cups floating around out there, and they'll oh. be revealing themselves this week. So. so we've we've got pirated. Who do I get to sue? For stealing my <laughs> image, okay? <laughs> that is awesome. That is too funny. She like, asked earlier, she's like, are you going to drink out that cup tonight? I was like, oh, hell yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one thing that, like, I enjoy the heck out of this. And, I, you know, some people get their feelings hurt on social media and stuff. I really don't. I, th- I think it's all hilarious. You know, like, I love sharing everything. And people make something like that. I think it's hilarious. It does not offend me in one bit. And uh, I think it's just kind of funny. I think it's stupid that you want to put my face on a cup, but you know, hey, whatever floats your boat there. So it's going to be on the office with the Bill one and some other stuff. It's just, it just <laughs> I had to do it. I was like, I seen her with the Bill one, and like I seen her as soon as she drank with it, and I was like, I was in her stream. I was like, is that Bill on your cup? And she goes, she's like, I've been waiting for someone to say something. You're the first person to say something, so I want a prize. So she sent me some stuff, and I went ahead and had the one with you made. I was like, I got to do this. So. <laughs> Um, blogger, I'm kind of taking your thing right now, reading a comment, but blogger wants to know what kind of whiskey I drink. Oh God, man, I'm so bad at this stuff. Uh, there's this whiskey that I found and, and it's amazing. I think I sent it to you, didn't I, Pat? Watch, I'll find the name of it right now. Cause I'll find it in our chat. I drink, um, I was drinking Buffalo Trace tonight. So Buffalo Trace is good. I actually one time went to a bar and I, I ordered Buffalo Trace and they didn't have it. They were having some sort of issue with it. And then, uh, um, oh, I guess it wasn't you, Pat. I thought I sent you a picture of that. I thought you did. It oh, it. you know what? I probably did a text message, man. Yeah. That's probably what it was. Pat's in the super secret text message club. So, yeah. Uh, Dusty's almost down there in bourbon and whiskey country. He's in southern Indiana. There we go. Right here, man. We got Angel's Envy probably 20 minutes from me. So the whiskey, uh, again, I went to go order Buffalo Trace. I ordered an old-fashioned one time, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, we're out of Buffalo Trace. Can I up you to this whiskey? And he, he gives it to me, and then he goes – he hands me the bottle, and he goes, read the story on the back. So uh, it's this company called uh, Contradiction. 
Mm-hmm. And um, they have it's uh, I think it is it or is it Smooth Ambler? I don't know. I don't know if it's Smooth Ambler or Contradictions, the name, one or the other. They're both on the bottle. But anyways, it's a mix. So it's a distiller that distills several different whiskey brands. And so they got the authorization to mix the different ones and they make a different batch every time. So this particular whiskey, um, this one's a bourbon and uh, but they also have a rye, which is good, too. And um, but every time uh, they make different well, every couple bottles you buy is going to be a different batch. So it's going to be a little bit different. There's going to be something different about it. So that's the one I've been drinking lately, and that's my favorite. It's kind of scary how much I like it, and it kind of concerns me. So, um, yeah, I'm bad about it. So I like cigars, I like bourbon, and I get to where I'm liking one too much, and I'll switch to the other. And then when I get to where I'm liking that too much, I go back and forth. So I, I have a highly addictive personality. So it's like I have to like know my limits. When I start like wanting it, I'm like, okay, time to go on to something else. So Ryan, that's funny. Hughesman, uh, you think your face on a cup is stupid. You should see the underwear I have on right now. Okay. So funny story, right? My friends that I do the show with on Friday nights on the overtime YouTube channel, we, um, typically we don't do it all the time, but for every once in a while, we send each other like ridiculously stupid gifts. Right? So for Christmas one time, we all sent each other just ridiculously dumb gifts. Um, like uh, last year, what is it? Bill Russell sent me a pickle that talks and it's obnoxious. It's like a yodeling pickle, it yodels, right? So people walk in my office and like, what is that on your desk? Like, why do you have that? You know, we send these things, these funny gifts. Well, one year, um, Joe on the show sent us all boxers with his face on them. Yes. My wife was mortified, right? My wife's like, (laughs) why do you have some dude's face on your boxers? And I love to wear them. I, it's just the funniest thing because when she finds out I've got Joe's face on my boxers, right? I'm going to be nice. And uh, she thinks it's just ridiculous. And yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I've met a lot of cool people just in this industry, man. You know, the social media side of it. Facebook can be kind of blah sometimes. But I mean, I've met a lot of cool people. I've met you. You know, we've hung out a couple of times. We, uh, we had dinner and drinks. And then we did HVC Tactical Awards this year. And, you know, I seen you at the HR show. And it's just, it's amazing the community it forms just from people online and like, you know, you'll randomly text me, ask me a question or something, or I'll ask you a question. It's just, and Dusty's the same way. He texts me, he's working on some, Hey, have you ever seen this? And it's just like, I'll work through a problem with somebody. And then it's just, it's a great community to be a part of. Yeah. I, you know, and it's really awesome because it's difficult to find like-minded people with what you do because this trade, this career that we have is, it's, it's hard to explain to people that have never worked in this trade. They don't understand the stress. They don't understand the, the complexity of what we work on. They don't understand, you know, the stuff that we're dealing with. And so to find like-minded individuals that do the same thing that you can call and just BS about something silly. You know, I was just talking to a friend, Dave of mine, Dave Giles today, and we were just going back and forth about something to do with uh, chemicals and different things, you know, and just having a conversation and, And, you know, Dave is interesting because he's a business owner and works in a lot of the same chains, but he's, he's not my competition. He's at the opposite end of the country. So we can call and be like, Hey, did you get this problem with this particular manufacturer doing that? Yeah, I've ran into that. Here's the solution. And then he'll do the same for me. And it's so cool that we can all come together like this and, and, and share, you know, everything. And it just helps the industry as a whole. So there's plenty of money for everybody and there's plenty of, of work for everybody. As long as we, uh, we're, we're good and we're honest people, you know? Yep. I, I always say just do the right thing and let the rest fall into place, man. For sure. So. And the community itself is huge because it, like when I first got in the trade, I just kind of knew like the journeyman I was following and like the guys who worked there who like hated their job. And I, I started out at a company that wasn't that great. Uh, there's a lot of guys just kind of cutting corners and stuff. So, I mean, I, I found myself like in a predicament. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to end up like these guys. Like they hate it. Like it's just kind of seems boring. I thought it was boring at first. Yeah. Um, and then I found some Facebook pages and like, uh, you know, with social media, you know, I saw guys posting stuff, passionate about stuff, started talking to guys like that. I, you know, like states away. And then you form like a connection, like, wow, people really love this stuff. And then it kind of helps you like grow in your career, like your personal career and your, you know, development just on guys that you may not have ever even met before. Yeah. So it's, it's huge, you know, and the pillars in there are massive. Like the, the guys who I started following first um, are huge, you know, so it's, it's, 
it's, it's a cool thing to be a part of. So I find that most guys don't like this or hate this industry or hate the, their job or the guys that that don't better themselves. They don't seek out answers to problems. They just look for the easy way through and they struggle and that struggle, you know, really re- relates to hate, you know, for the job. Um, I, exactly. think, I think if you take pride in your job, you do a good job, you're going to, you're not going to hate it. I mean, there's days I don't like doing what I do. I mean, everyone's got those days. So most yeah. of them enjoy what I do. But I think the guys that truly hate their job, just they're just skating through. They don't look. They're just looking for the easy way through, and it's not going to you know work out for them. There's only that's what one. I thought. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say there's only one person to blame for unhappiness and for miserableness. I mean, for hating your job, for working at a horrible company, it's actually your fault. Like mm-hmm. you can move on. You have a choice now. Yeah, there's going to be repercussions because of that choice. You know, yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable because you have to relearn a new process or something. But if you're miserable at your job, if you don't like HVAC, do something different. Like it's not life is too short to be a miserable person and you can change everything. You know, you 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 certainly have the power. You just have to do it and it takes effort. That's like how I ended up in because I was doing HVAC and I don't hate HVAC. I don't have anything against it. Um, but I was kind of getting bored with it, you know, and it was kind of maybe not my forte, I guess. And I, and I realized that, and I came to a commercial company just to see if I would like that more. And I was doing commercial rooftops and I was thinking like, man, maybe, you know, I just can't like fall in love with this. Um, and then I did some refrigeration and then it opened up and I did hot side stuff like kitchen equipment. And then I met Pat, like, oh gosh, I was only doing it like a month or so. And we got to talk and he was talking about the cool stuff he works on. And then personally, I thought Pat, Pat was so passionate about it. I was like, dude, this has got to be awesome. So then I just, you know, started learning more and working on more stuff and then kind of blossoming in that. And like you said, like, if you hate what you do, like, you know, there's plenty of other stuff out there. And, oh, and yeah. this is kind of like, I found it working at the same company. You just got to look and do something and change, you know, your day to day. And you have to be, you have to get uncomfortable you know to to grow and to get and to find something you love it takes uncomfortability 100 percent. thank yep. you jason, jason latimer's in here he's he's at the dream team jason, jason's a cool dude jason's a great dude man he's he has the most contagious outlook on everything yeah i love jason dude he's a good dude and he takes pride and passion in so much of his work it's a he's he's a good person to follow and a good person to know so yeah, I'm glad I started following him. I, I recently, I mean, within the last year, found Jason on social media. And um, yeah, I enjoy following him. He has lots of great content and definitely a good outlook on things for sure. So, mm-hmm. so I will smart keep, dude too. I won't keep you much longer. It's been over an hour. Um, I don't You're like, good. I don't generally like to go over an hour because people kind of lose interest. But um, I just want to thank you for coming on. And then, I'm sure everyone knows who you are, but if you want to share your social media and that kind of stuff where everyone can find you or go buy some merch, see that cool hat he's got on? Those are really nice hats that don't get dirty. It's all good. Yeah, you can find all my content on all social media platforms under HVACR videos. Um, I'm just a technician that just makes videos. I just let you guys hear the way my brain works. I know it's a little unique and it comes off as different, but it, you know, it's just how I work. So I just kind of film that and show that on you know all the different social medias. So. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks.